Congratulations to Kyle and Rachel Zwig of Exonia, who were named National Outstanding Young Farmers earlier this spring. They are the seventh generation on the family farm that was purchased from the state of Wisconsin in 1856. Kyle and Rachel and their family milk 70 cows using robotics. They also operate 1,500 acres of cropland using autonomous technology. Kyle tells me all about how the adaptation of new technology on the farm, in addition to conservation efforts and more, led them to be the winners in the National Outstanding Young Farmer Program. Kyle starts by telling me about the competition. Yeah, so we, uh, in 2022, we competed with a panel of finalists for the state uh, Wisconsin Outstanding Young Farmer Award, and uh, we're just absolutely thrilled to win, especially um, uh, seeing how many worthy people we were competing against in just the state one alone. Uh, The state has a really robust, uh, outstanding young farmer program. And then the year following for 2023, this year, the state submits our application or submitted our application uh, to the national organization and through a competitive hierarchy again, um, I think there were 30 original candidates submitted and they picked 10 uh, finalists through a competitive application as well and send those 10 finalists to the national conference, which was uh, located in uh, Appleton this year. So we attended that and spent a weekend, excuse me, five days actually with the other 10 finalists. And uh, on Saturday night, the awards banquets were once again thrilled and um, shocked to have won one of four positions for winners of the National NOYF Award. What's the criteria that made you one of the four top outstanding young farmers for the entire United States? So there's there's three main areas of criteria that are weighted in the uh, competitive application. So the first and the largest is your uh, your progress in agriculture. So that's professionally and personally. Um, it's actually quite rigorous. They analyze um, everything from production data to financial data, and then to your own kind of personal growth. Uh, that accounts for about fifty percent of the judging material, and the other fifty percent is split between. Um, implementation of conservation practices and community service so uh uh, then that can range anywhere from um you know field crop practices or or animal husbandry practices to um the community aspect which is serving on different committees or boards and just your activeness and in trying to promote agriculture in general while you were interacting with other farmers from around the country, were you comparing yourselves to them? Can you kind of walk me through some of the similarities and differences between you and these other top candidates? Yeah, so it's really easy to talk about comparing yourself because um, we thought we were going to lose. <laughs> the quality, uh, one of the gentlemen and his wife, uh, I think I believe his name was John Higaman. One of the other winners had a very large uh, ranch in Texas, along with a commercial greenhouse operation in, uh, I believe it was Alabama, that supplied Lowe's and Home Depot with most of their annuals and perennials. So it was kind of like, well, uh, we know we are definitely not on this scale. So, uh, <laughs> and that's just one example. There were many others. The fellow dairyman uh, was excellent. And, um, some some of what the crop uh, enterprise guys had done was was amazing too. 
you pick up any notes or numbers? Are you going to stay in contact with some of these people? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we've we already have a text thread. I have a gentleman in New York that I got to know quite well, and we've been talking about uh, drone implementation and different crop. Uh, practice implementation as well. Let's talk about the personal and professional developments that set you apart as an outstanding young farm and farmer. One of those being conservation, which has been a priority for this family farm. Can you tell me more about uh, what you have implemented here? Yeah, so we, one of the biggest things we've implemented, obviously we have a lot of conservation-based practice implementation, but I think the largest and kind of the pinnacle to me of our of the conservation regarding our own personal operation is uh, the easement that we sold on our homestead property back in 2010. Uh, this was done through a combination of partnerships specifically with the state of Wisconsin and the DATCAP branch of the government with uh, Tall Pines Conservancy, a private nonprofit. We were selected through the state's uh, purchase of agricultural conservation easement program amongst uh, 14 other candidates at the time to be a pilot farm for this. And we applied for funding through them and the nonprofit Tall Pines to uh, sell this easement and uh, protect our farm as an operating uh, farmland parcel for perpetuity. Uh, And that really gelled well with our family goals and our personal what we strive for personally just to continue this 150 plus year old uh, farm into the future. This is the seventh generation farm, the seventh generations in school today. Yes. (laughs) Can you um, give me a little bit on the on the family farm history? Our family immigrated here in the 1850s. Our family was originally farmers located in at that time, which would have been the kingdom of Prussia or uh, Eastern Germany or today's Eastern Germany. And um, they immigrated here uh, in 1856 through Ellis Island and worked their way west and settled uh, in the town of Lebanon, which at the time was also kind of a hotspot for a lot of German settlers. It's a very German area and uh, started on our original 80-acre parcel, which the uh, Victorian South Farmhouse still is, uh, is standing on today. And then from there... You know, it was kind of uh, each generation added some land, some, you know, increased the size of the business, uh, some and contributed to where the operation is today. Has dairy always been in the family? Well, in 1856, dairy was a lot different. It consisted probably of one or two cows. (laughs) So if that's considered dairy, then yes. The dairy was off-site on another local farm that my grandfather and brother operated uh, together for a short amount of time and then eventually was moved back home here in the probably 50s and has been here since. So you said each generation kind of added a little something to it but one of the biggest changes I think over time is that today things are done autonomously as as you said earlier. Can you tell me about the technology on the farm today? Yeah so we we went through quite a few dramatic changes in the late 20 teens and early 2020s kind of just for a variety of reasons 
that were out of necessity. We transitioned in 2020 to uh, a robotic milking unit where all our cows uh, are housed and milked in a new robotic barn. That was a huge change from our prior stanchion barn setup, but also uh, a huge gain in productivity and a huge improvement in lifestyle. It's probably the single biggest practice implementation since I've been on the farm that's occurred and probably the most life-changing one as well. We've also diversified now, just my interest kind of lays in the in the adoption of autonomy and different new technological practices. So we've kind of expanded into our cropping enterprise with it now where we are trying to utilize uh, autonomous drones to do different field operations and replace ours on our ground rig sprayer and seeding units. Let's talk about the dairy tech first. This is pretty cool for me to to see, not just that a robot is milking the cows, but it's also making sure that they're being milked when they're supposed to and eating when they're supposed to by kind of routing them through a gate system. Can you explain that for me and how that's been beneficial to your production numbers? Absolutely. The the gate system, I would consider, uh, so this is... This is this system is sold through De Laval, but it's not unique to any particular piece of equipment that they have. I would consider it about a second generation style robotic barn, although some of these were done quite early. In our barn, the cow uh, everything is based out of the cow, off the cow's RFID tag, and when she gets up, our barn is laid out in a circle with a series of one way gates, where when she comes to a, a pre uh, placed sort gate. The gate reads her ear tag and based upon her last milking interval either directs her to a small pen where the only exit is through the robot or back to the feed bunk where she just continues eating or laying down at her free will. Now what this does is it really increases the ability of you to manage the cow's milking interval one and also time allocation of the unit. So one thing we were disappointed with when we were doing early touring was uh, a lot of robotic farms, they all average, most farms, robotic farms, regardless of style, can average three milkings per cow per day. But when you dive into the data a little more and you look at the range of milkings per cow per day, um, some of the early barns or free flow barns had a huge range, anywhere from one to five milkings per day to come up with that three milking average. Now the sort gate narrows that up to a very tight window, actually as tight as you want, because the cow passes through that electronic sort gate roughly 16 times a day. So you can really narrow in down to the hour when you want that cow to be able to be milked. And I kind of drilled you on this earlier, but you you collect all this data, all this information. What are you doing with it? How are you using it for better management? Well, that's probably the million-dollar question, right? It can be data overload. The unit's sensor capability and the barn's collection capability, you have to parse through what's useful and what's not. And that's where you know the, the ability of the software and the importance of the software comes in. It, it's pre- pretty endless what you can, what you can um, look into regarding this data and then how you can manage accordingly. You compared it to quarterback stats, almost like you're developing a 
a team, right? <laughs> yeah. So the the specifically the utter health data, the sensory revolved around the milk analysis. So that would be somatic cell conductivity and infrared. Uh, the software allows those data points to be combined on a not only just combined, but also on a per quarter basis, per milking basis, per day basis. So it creates indexes that I referenced as similar to a quarterback rating that uh, can give you health date, health information, production information relating to the cow and trends amongst those uh, data sets as well. That's incredible. Did you get an award for your production through? De Laval, as part of the NOYF program, was very generous in essentially uh, certifying our data. And uh, we have been the top producing robotic herd in North America for, for some time now. So that combined with our combined pounds of fat and protein, about eight and a half pounds over the twelve last 12-month period, uh, that I think contributed a lot to to um, our ranking within the Young Farmer program. So that's what's happening in the dairy barn. The other thing you mentioned was uh, the spray drone technology that has been able to kind of ease the, the labor strains for mm-hmm. your family. Yeah, all, all these things in combination, not any, you know, it's not huge in any one particular equipment implementation other than the robot itself. That was pretty large. But um, the, the spray drone or the autonomous uh, spreading and spray drone, we essentially are only just scratching the surface of what may be capable of these things as they develop and continue to be improved upon. Whereas we entered the robot for the milking in, I would consider more the second generation. We entered the autonomous drones more in the first generation. So there's a lot of improvement and uh, change coming, but it is more than evident that they will be overtaking some amount of field operations from uh, traditional rigs. The easiest place to implement these where it is the biggest no-brainer is in fungicide application on corn. They are very good at doing that, which is a very low application rate per acre. And it's a very tight time window when these applications have to be done and there's not enough pilots or planes or helicopters to begin with. That is where you're going to see a lot of the growth in usage of these things first. And then also micronutrient applications, herbicide applications that um, are legal. The second biggest area will probably be in cover crop seeding where uh, you can go now into standing crop without damaging anything and uh, extend your application window to when there is growing crop uh, on the land. Yeah, and keeping you out of the mud. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And keeping you out of the mud. You doesn't matter if it rained four inches before you fly over a field with a drone. It, it makes no difference. Is there anything next for the Zwig family farm? Anything new you've got your eye on? Or are you still basking in the glory of being the <laughs> National Outstanding Young Farmer? <laughs> well, I feel like... Uh, I feel like even though I'm 35, I start to get progressively more tired. <laughs> but there are, I'm, we're pretty relentless. I, um, I'm very interested. I've been watching another farm implementing um, an autonomous TMR mixer that uh, I am keeping very close tabs on. In fact, there's a few. One of them's a pretty well-known YouTuber, and uh, the other one is in northern Wisconsin, and that would be something that I could see happening in the next five years, potentially, just kind of continuing to 
um, compound on that labor decrease and efficiency. Is the seventh generation interested in farming? That's a good question. So the seventh generation is six, six, and seven. Um, we have a set of twins that are six and an older guy, barely older, <laughs> that's seven. Uh, there's signs. One of the one of the twins is pretty pretty much anywhere there's an animal or my father or myself working. He's pretty attached at the hip with the farm. But one of the greatest things my dad did for me was uh, never made me feel like I had to come back to the farm. And I think in retrospect, that's why I did. I never had that forced feeling. And um, I want to make sure I extend that to my kids and uh, make them make the ability for them to come back, but not the need. It'll be pretty exciting, at least for them to have a lot of people coming in June, right, for the dairy breakfast? Yeah, absolutely. The um, the Watertown Agribusiness Club, uh, which is hosts a fairly large regional dairy breakfast in our area every year, is, is having it at our place. And that's Father's Day weekend, and um, it's both Saturday and Sunday. It's a two-day event, and I believe it's from approximately 7 to noon. Open to the public. Um, we're expecting a good turnout, obviously weather depending, and um, happy to have everybody from the community. We're talking with Kyle Zwig. He and his wife, Rachel, of Exonia were named the National Outstanding Young Farmers earlier this year. The awards ceremony was held here in Wisconsin. Kyle and Rachel and their family milk 70 cows and operate about 1,500 acres of cropland. If you'd like to check out the farm and the state-of-the-art technology, plan on going to the Watertown Agribusiness Club Dairy Breakfast in June. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.